Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, how many times can Snake Pass appear on a list of favorite third-party Switch games? It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? It's going great. Mm -hmm. Patrick, did you have, like, a favorite newspaper comic strip growing up? Uh, I used to love Garfield. Oh, yeah. I think everybody loved Garfield at one point or another. Yeah, and I... I, I liked Garfield a lot in uh, in comic strip form. This was also when like his TV show was Garfield on. Garfield and Friends. Garfield and Friends, including that U.S. Acres. Ooh, I love that U.S. Acres. I also had Garfield's book of insults, put-downs, and slams that I got at the Scholastic Book Fair. Uh, so yeah, I was I was hard in love with Garfield. Yeah, I had a uh, the Garfield, what was it? P- puns and slams. Uh, insults, put downs, and slams. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, it does not lead with puns. <laughs> it leads with insults. It is a mean book. <laughs> Uh, from a Scholastic book order, mm-hmm. I got Steve Urkel's Guide to Being Cool, and I bet that was about the same genius. time. Genius. <laughs> uh, what about you? What was your favorite uh, cartoon strip growing up? Yeah, really like Garfield. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know which one I did not like? Tell me. Prince Valiant. Uh, I don't know that I know what that is. It was like a legacy strip that has been running for a million years. That tells a story set in like medieval times and has lots of characters. It's very boring and very complicated. See now, okay, as uh, gentlemen who both follow comics, mm-hmm. um, I, I this may be a controversial statement. I don't think comic strips should tell a continuous, ongoing story. I completely agree. I think that it should be like sketch comedy. That like you you're in and you are telling me one joke with these characters and I can grow to like love these characters just from like sheer familiarity. But also that's not necessary. Farside is a great comic strip. Well, see, I think Prince Valiant is uh like existed in the 1920s. Yeah. It's the Dick Tracy thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have time for it, is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh Mark, you know what I do have time for is lending people my copy of Sonic Forces. You have nothing but time to do this. Yeah, I mean that feels like a dig. But I would like people to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces on Nintendo Switch. All you got to do is write in with your mailing address to Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. And I send it to you with return postage and everything. It costs you nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. What else costs you nothing, Mark? Asking us questions for our 250-ish episode spectacular happening a week from today. But... Whoa. What but? You should get your questions in by Sunday, May 5th. That's right. So that way we have enough time to read them, digest them, really think about them. Peek behind the curtain. Uh, Mark's not going to read any of these questions. I'm going to read them all, and I'm going to bring them all to the table. I'm not filtering out anything. (laughs) So it's going to be great. And it's going to be great because you're participating. Send in your questions to us by Sunday. Uh, and then we'll answer them for you. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. Here's another thing. Here's something that we've decided we want. We want to have 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts. At least 100. At least 100. Yeah. Look, once we get to 100, we'll be like, you know, 
too We're much. greedy. <laughs> That's right. All we want is more. Um, but here's the thing. We can't review ourselves. It's true. Uh, it's in the Bible. Uh, so you got to review us for us. So get on over to Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts, because every review mm-hmm. we get helps us be more visible. That's right. Uh, but we want them on Apple. <laughs> we want them everywhere. Well, I mean, yeah. This, I is, mean, this is where the, the number is, though. Is exactly. The, the 100 is at Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts. And here's the thing. Hmm. Are you saying to yourself, but I've already reviewed your show. Has your significant other? Hmm. Has your mom who leaves her computer on and logged into uh, Apple Podcasts? We're just asking questions at this point. <laughs> That's right. We're not suggesting a course of action no. for anyone. We're just posing some questions. Uh, speaking of questions that were posed, uh, on Tuesday, we read an email from Lizzie who was like, yeah, guys, there's uh, a gyroscope in your Switch. You've used it in all the games that you've played on it, like Splatoon, uh, Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey. Uh, and we were like, but isn't that gyroscope in the Joy-Cons? Uh, turns out there is a gyroscope in the Joy-Cons, and there is a gyroscope in the Switch. So I don't know if this is a, a de-debug or a re-debug or what. Really, just congratulations to all of us. Yeah, everyone is vindicated. I don't, maybe except for you and I. <laughs> All right, Mark, we've got uh, a lot to talk about today. So let's get into our topic of the week. Let's talk about our favorite third-party games on the Nintendo Switch. Patrick, can you believe that the Switch is over two years old? Uh, I I do believe it because we've been doing the show for uh, a little bit longer than than that. And maybe that's the part that I can't believe because now that I said it, does it feel like we've been doing the show for two years? I mean, 250-ish episodes. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a lot. That is, is it too much? Are we doing too much of this? Yes. Do people tire of two episodes a week? Uh, I mean, I do not tire of two episodes I mean, a week. we're not stopping. No. I mean, I do get tired, if that's what you mean. I'm constantly tired. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's just life in 2019, I yeah. think, as 30-something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yes, the Switch has been out for over two years now. Uh, its libraries once was uh, Breath of the Wild, 1-2 Switch, and Shovel Knight Treasure Trove, Remember, and that's it. <laughs> remember when we spent an entire episode talking about Snake Pass? Yes, on a list of things that we would never do again, here's one whole episode about Snake Pass. That was a confusing game. <laughs> but it was one of Switch's earliest third-party releases, and it was a multi-platform. It was a big deal. It was, um, and you know, not without merit is is an interesting game. Yeah, uh, but a, w- we've come so far. We've come so far. Yes, we've uh, maybe made Snake Pass a bit of an unfair punching bag from time from time to time, or they, or punchline at yeah. least. Mm-hmm. I think I'm sure I'm sure that's true. They probably make fun of us all the time, though. So yeah, it's fair. so you know, we're just uh, giving it as hard as we're getting it, probably. <laughs> Well, we thought it would be fun to now two weeks in, two months in, <laughs> two years in to the console's life cycle uh, to talk about our favorite games, our favorite third-party games on Switch. Uh, Mark, you said let's come up with a list of five uh, each. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you came in here and you were like, I didn't do that. Yeah. Um, I, my list, with the good intentions of just having five games on it, uh, grew. There are too many games that I've really enjoyed playing on the Switch that aren't Nintendo first-party games. 
Yeah, um, which is a, a little bit strange too because we've enjoyed so many uh, first party games as well. Um, but it's yeah, I think it speaks to the strength of the library that there are so many. Um, also third party games that we've really enjoyed. So uh, I've got my list whittled down to like five main ones mm-hmm. and then a handful of honorable mentions. Um, do would you like to go through your honorable mentions or do you want to like go back and forth? Yeah, let's we can just go back and forth. Okay. Uh, so the first one on my list we talked about last week, but Katana Zero. Yeah. Maybe there's a little bit of recency bias there, but I really loved this game um, and had to give it a shout out here on the honorable mentions. Um, I, I, that's one that I still need to pick up. Uh, and I, I'm just going to assume that it is at least uh, kind of connected to my first honorable mention on this list. Uh, I was... This is one that I just added moments before we were recording because I was like, oh, my God, I don't have the messenger on my list. Oh, that would have been bad. Because um, I really love the messenger. I 100%ed it, um, well, like the initial playthrough of it. Um, we've got some DLC for that thing coming out sometime, right? The beach party stuff? Yeah. Um, man, did I love the messenger. Uh, but, the, you know, these are both uh, like 8-bit style throwback um, ninja action games. But with both totally like different hooks and totally unique hooks, um, uh, I I really got to get my hands on uh, Katana Zero. It, it's really worth picking up, yeah, for sure. Uh, next on my list is kind of like a smaller game that I had forgotten about until I was looking at the games that I had like picked up, and it's Bloodstained: Curse of the Moon. Oh yeah, man, that was a great game. Um, it's, it's it is the like sort of Kickstarter bonus or was originally conceived as the Kickstarter bonus for uh, just Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Uh, it's like an 8-bit style Castlevania game. Developed by Inti Creates. Mm-hmm. And it's in this like style of Castlevania 3 where you play as multiple characters that have different like uh, moves and powers and all that kind of stuff. Um, 10 bucks when it came out. Oh, yeah. Not super long, but really, really enjoyable. It also had a nice like difficulty slider on it um, where... Because I knocked it right down to the easy difficulty immediately, um, which then, uh, of course, I r- revealed that I had done that by saying, like, I was, I thought it was great that there was no knockback from the enemies. Turns out there is knockback normally. <laughs> um, but, you know, just like it, it's, a, it, it's a very approachable game, um, whether you've got uh, like just nostalgia for that style of Castlevania game. Or, um, like, you actually want the punishing experience. Like, the, the game offers you both. Yeah, Inti Creates, I feel like, are just amazing at m- capturing that authentic feeling 8-bit experience. Yeah, like Mega Man 9. Like, they did basically the same thing with that, um, except for Mega Man. Uh, next game on my honorable mentions, Sonic Mania, baby. Um, man, uh, this also came about, like, pretty early in the Switch's life um and was a, another like multi-platform game uh but it just makes the most sense on switch as, as far as i'm concerned take this game on the go um play for whatever reason uh sonic just feels like it is at home on nintendo now which is you know a sentence that would have sounded crazy 15 years ago mm-hmm. but here we are sonic belongs on uh nintendo and like sonic mania being such a like throwback um like uh nostalgia fueled uh, trip through Sonic the Hedgehog, it just feels so right on Switch. Speaking of things that feel so right on Switch, but would have been crazy like 10 years ago, Dark Souls remastered yeah. on Switch. I haven't played through all the way on Switch, 
Um, I put about 10 or 15 hours into it uh, before I like moved on to other games. But man, Dark Souls remains an amazing experience. And again, just like Sonic, it's great to be able to take it on the go, have it yeah. in handheld mode. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I imagine that like you don't really lose anything performance-wise. Yeah, not 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 anything like noticeable. Yeah, that that's super cool. Um, the I cheated here a little bit, but we're an honorable mention, so I guess we weren't really limited to a a, a number. But I wrote uh, both Ultra Street Fighter Two and Super Street Fighter Arcade Collection. Uh, I, I actually have the arcade collection on my PlayStation Four. Um, but Ultra Street Fighter Two is this is the only place that you can get this version of Street Fighter Two. Um, and it allows you to switch back and forth between art styles on the fly. Um, and uh, there's just, it, it is like the most fully featured form of uh, one of the greatest fighting games of all time, Street Fighter 2, with all the extra characters and uh, is just, it's, it's, it's basically uh, the, the perfect form of this game. Um, uh, it does have some kind of dumb, uh, like extra stuff built onto it. There's some like motion control. Uh, mini game where you're like throwing hadoukens in first person mode um which is stupid I mean, you can just ignore that uh but otherwise like this is the way to play street fighter 2 one of the things that i personally have really enjoyed with the switch as someone who didn't play a lot of indie games previously is the switch has turned into like an amazing indie game platform mm -hmm. and one of the first indie games to come to the switch was cave story it was my first oh, time yeah. playing through it cave and story. cave story uh if you haven't played it before I can't recommend it enough. It's uh, really amazing. It was developed by one person over many years. A lot of the indie games that we'll, at least I'll be talking about today are developed like that. But yeah, Cave Story. I love that game. Um, uh, that's And it uh, Cave Story is like sort of Metroidvania-y? Yeah, a little bit. Um, there's Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, like the music is amazing. Yeah. Uh, the presentation is simple but really fun. There's little Easter eggs depending on how you complete like certain levels or different interactions with different characters. It's just really like fully featured. Yeah. Especially for something that essentially, to my mind, kicked off the indie game craze like 10 years ago. Yeah, totally. Um, well, this one sort of falls under the category of, of indie game. And it is, again, me cheating again. It is two games. Overcooked 1 and Overcooked 2, baby. Uh, these are like the perfect party game as far as I'm concerned. Uh, better even than uh, like the Super Mario Party because um, you can perfectly... Yeah, it's a little bit weird to play it by yourself, but is a perfect two-player game as a perfect... Is it even possible to play it by yourself? Yeah, you can where there's like a, a dummy chef that you can like switch over to controlling um, or maybe you just do it by yourself. I don't know. It would be, uh, it would be foolish to even try. Um, but it's it's so fun with two people. It's so fun with three or four. Um, you're just running around a kitchen, and like you just develop um, the. I, I think because you're doing something so mundane and like something that you do in real life, which is prepare food, um, that like the nature of your shouting at your teammates uh, just feels like so natural. Like everyone has uh, a vocabulary for like you need to chop those tomatoes or you know someone has to do the dishes the dishes are dirty um uh, overcooked is is wonderful and i i cannot recommend them highly enough and they're both full of content they both have so many levels and so many uh like characters and cool challenges great games 
another one on my honorable mention is Thimbleweed Park. Yeah. So this is a point-and-click adventure game in the style of like the Lucas Arts games from the 80s and early 90s. Um, it's to me kind of like the perfect version of one of those games. Yeah. Uh, it's just really well developed, really beautiful, fun music, fun characters. Uh, is it funny? Is is Thimbleweed Park funny? It it's funny. I it, it's not it's like, not a comedy game, but it, well, I mean, it's not like laugh out loud funny. It's mm. a lot of just like you're sitting there by yourself playing this game, and you just go, "That's clever." Yeah, sure. But it never made me like laugh out loud. But I enjoyed it all the way through. Uh, not on my list, but uh, I uh, laughed a lot at playing uh, South Park. Is also not on here. What was that second game called? The one that I played? The Fractured Butthole. The Fractured Butthole. Um, not on my list, even though I really enjoyed playing that game. Um, but this is my last honorable mention. I don't know if you have... I have two more. Okay. Um, so my last honorable mention here is Blossom Tales, the Zelda-like uh, game that feels so much like kind of a cross between the original Zelda and Link to the Past um, and has this like great uh, sort of like meta-narrative of a man telling the story of Blossom to his kids. Or no, Blossom is not the name of the character. I don't think. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, where like he's about to tell them the story of Zelda, and they're like, no, we've heard this one before. And so he's obviously just changing details. Um, and like there are times when like you enter a clearing, and the kids are like, what happened there? Like You'll see this little dialogue bo- box pop up. Uh, and then like you get to choose whether like you run into goblins or bandits. And then you've got to fight whatever he chose as part of the story. Um, so it's super fun, super cute, and plays like a Zelda game. So, you know, what more could you need? Next on my honorable mentions is Golf Story. So this was a golf RPG mm-hmm. that came out, uh, I think, in the first year of the Switch. Um, developed by, I think it's still a Switch exclusive, but developed by a team That's in right. Australia. Has a really quirky sense of humor. The story's really fun. He plays like a uh, kid who's just basically trying to become the best golfer. Yeah, why and not? there's lots of different courses. The mechanics are really fun. I don't care about golf. I don't care about golf games in general. Um, but I really got into this one. It's just a lot of fun. Really well designed. Has kind of like that 16-bit look to it. Um, yeah, I really like Golf Story. Cool. I that that's one. I mean, I think this is something that. Uh, I'm going to say about nearly every game on uh, our honorable mentions and on our list. And I think even games that will come up in conversation that don't appear on either of our lists that I really need to get back to and actually play. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, there's just so much on this thing on, on switch that's worth playing. And my final honorable mention, and I'm curious to see if it makes your top five. So this might depending might be a good segue is Mario plus rabbits kingdom battle. So I didn't put it on here. Uh, and I know it, it certainly qualifies as a, a third-party game, but the reason I didn't put it on here oh, is that, like... Oh, because it, it involves Mario? It involves Mario. That's totally fair. To me, it's just, like, I can't believe they pulled it off. Yeah, no, sing the praises of this game, like, all day and all night. It is great. Um, it is such a good tactical role-playing game, and it feels uh, funny like Mario. It feels funny like the Rabbids. And uh, I don't think the Rabbids are funny in general, but I found them endearing in this game. Yeah, and it... it feels like what I imagine their sense of humor to be, yeah, but like just a version of it that I like. Yeah, it's definitely true to both. The music is great. Mm-hmm. The art direction is great. 
um the characters themselves even the mario characters and the rabid versions of those characters i love are rabid like, peach so much they just have so much personality mm-hmm. um and th- there are so many boss fights that are full of personality too there's like an opera ghost um there is a uh a uh donkey kong rabid that are all like just brimming with uh personality and it's just so much fun to fight all of them man what a good game and there's the donkey kong dlc yeah that i never picked up <laughs> um and i i hope they're working on a sequel i would like to see them iterate on this and yeah see totally. where they can go with it um or even uh take the uh mario plus rabbids uh take that mashup and put it into different genres or whatever. I think uh, Ubisoft has proven that. Like a like, Musou game. Yeah. Not, not what I meant. But <laughs> uh, And, you know, I was, I was about to say, like, Ubisoft has proven that they can do, uh, they can work with Nintendo's um, IP and incorporate their own either game or their own characters. And obviously they've done that with Starlink as well. Uh, so I, I expect we will see this over and over and over again. Uh, forever. Forever, Mark. Should we get into our t- top five? Let's get into our top five. Do you want to go first or should I? Uh, go for it. Okay. Uh, so, in no particular order, uh, coming in at number five, Shovel Knight. I mentioned it already on this episode. It was uh, available before the Switch came out, um, and the original Shovel Knight is amazing. I love the original game to death, um, but the, uh, the campaign that was released with Nintendo Switch and uh like came first to that platform the specter knight dlc specter of torment is amazing it takes uh all of what's fun about the original shovel knight and introduces a new sort of mobility uh mechanic whereby you kind of like slash at things diagonally and get like a a little uh boost through the air um it is the most fun i've had uh moving a character around a space uh kind of ever um, and you get all of the great designs of uh, Shovel Knight to begin with. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, there are still two more, like, game modes coming to Shovel Knight, the King of Cards and whatever they're calling their, like, tower defense, uh, or not tower defense, uh, tower fall kind of version of it. Um, so, yeah, Shovel Knight is a the, the package that keeps on giving until at some point when it'll stop. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I, I, I can't say enough uh, good things about Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. My number five is Katamari Damacy Reroll. Yeah. So uh, like I didn't experience a lot of indie games, these re-releases that third parties have been doing of older games have been perfect for me because mm-hmm. I'm experiencing Katamari for the first time. And I fell in love with this game. Yeah. I thought it was so much fun. I'm hoping that they bring the sequel to the switch as well um the again like the music music is so, so fun good. so amazing uh just like the world is really interesting uh like it's very quirky yeah the design is very specific um it just feel it has like the sense of fun that you expect from a nintendo first party game that a lot of third party games are missing yeah um really like the the hurdle to get over is the controls. The controls are uh, challenging. Yeah, still, still in the early days of like the dual stick uh, control scheme, right? Yeah, but I, I, part of me actually thinks that it's purposeful. Yeah, sure. Um, because you're playing as like this tiny little guy who's trying to roll around this larger ball, and it just like keeps growing. 
to be bigger and bigger. And the um the worlds progress where like you're starting out and the space is small and you're tiny, so you're just like in somebody's home and you're picking up uh like clothespins or things like that. Yeah. And that that's like, like very small, like as household big objects, as the challenge yeah. gets. And by the end of the game, you're rolling around picking up cities and, you know, planets, and it's just it's really uh just like a really spectacular game. Now, both of us so far have listed games that uh, could have previously been played on different platforms. Um, I think Shovel Knight makes pl- plays best on Switch. I'm sure it plays fine on PlayStation 4 um, and, and whatnot, but I had previously played it on, uh, I want to say, 3DS. And like, you know, for as much as I love the 3DS, I'm, I'm much happier having it on my big O Switch. Uh, and, and playing it there. Do you think that uh, Katamari is uh, best played on on Switch or back when it, where it was on PlayStation 2? Uh, I mean, I'm sure the Switch version is better or the re-roll version is better if nothing yeah. else for like yeah, yeah. improved graphics. And I think the Switch version is a great version to pick up for the portability factor mm-hmm. that in none of the other platforms can beat. Also, to bring it back to Snake Pass again for a second, um, there was something about playing Snake Pass in handheld mode that felt like easier like because the game is so based around like physics and it's another one where you've got like the two stick control and like you're kind of uh wrestling against the controls having it in your hands and having it like close to your face made the whole thing feel like more natural more real Uh, i have to imagine that some of that is present in katamari damacy yeah for sure for sure all right next next on my list uh guacamole 2 um this is a sequel to Guacamelee, and it no the I love Drinkbox Studios, and I love the original Guacamelee. Um, but it had been years since I played the original Guacamelee. They took a you know one game cycle off to do Severed between them. Um, so like oh, I actually didn't realize Severed was Drinkbox, Drinkbox Studios. Yeah, um, because that was also early on Switch. No. It, Wait, was it early on Switch? It, it came to uh, Wii U and 3DS before Switch. Oh, maybe you had maybe played it on Switch. Came out. Maybe you had played it on Wii U. Yeah. Um. Uh. And on 3DS, I think. <laughs> anyway. Um. And uh, so it had been a long time since I last played uh, Guacamelee, and the sequel is uh very similar to the original in terms of like gameplay. Um. Obviously, introducing like new features and new mobility and new uh like combat options but it's also like a direct uh sequel in terms of story but the game is so smart in uh, incorporating the fact that it knows that you're going to forget stuff uh you know this isn't this isn't end game when you just watched infinity war uh it's uh it's a sequel that is very referential to the original version um but always like kind of guiding you through it so you don't feel like you're missing some missing out on something in the story not that the story is all that super important anyway, because the it's kind of just a pretense for a bunch of uh, funny jokes um, and really cool platforming, like Metroidvania-style levels. And really, there is no game that I have played that does uh, as good a job of marrying the combat with the mobility. Um, you know, you will use the same moves to fight that you will to get over uh, a, a big pit. You know, like one of the things you're going to go to over and over again is you're going to jump, you're going to midair dash, and then you're going to do like an uppercut to like get to a little bit higher thing. And then you're going to like sling, like catapult yourself off of uh, a little like grapple point. 
Um, and all of those moves are moves that you would use when fighting. Um, it's just so satisfying. And as you get better at fighting, you get better at moving and vice versa. It's such a good game. And like worlds funnier than the first one. Like the original game was so uh, like up its own butt with like internet references and like meme jokes. Um, and they take all of that energy and put it into one room in this game and then let the rest of the game be like organically funny on its own. Uh, like really, really great. I love Guacamelee too. My next game is one that was on your honorable mention list. Uh, Sonic Mania. Yeah. I ha- had never really played a Sonic game before. I didn't own any uh, Sega hardware, and the little bit that I had played of like one of the Genesis Genesis versions, like uh, the second one with Tails at a friend's house. Sonic Two. Yes. <laughs> um. You know, it it was fine, but it was so different from like the Mario type of platforming that totally. I had played before that I I just like in those little bits couldn't really wrap my head around it, and so I was just like, "Oh, Sonic isn't for me." Yeah. And then when Sonic Mania came out, I was looking for a platformer on the system and picked it up. I love, love, love Sonic Mania. Again, obviously, I talk about this on ton of the games that i have on my list but like the music of sonic mania is oh, amazing so good the levels are really fun it made me appreciate like the sonic type of platforming in a way that obviously i never had before yeah i mean i think one of the things that uh, one of the reasons that sonic mania is so good is that like just the individual level design is rock solid and it's such a good sampler or my understanding anyways of like older sonic uh levels mixed together with completely new levels mixed with like fan service and characters from different um times and different yeah. games like all coming but together still presented as like sort of classic uh 2d sonic and it still feels at least to me for somebody who wasn't familiar with these games like a cohesive whole yeah where like uh, i believe that this was a completely new creation that was just paying homage to the old Sonic games, and I'm kind of bummed that Sega is seemingly not going to do a sequel. Yeah, I mean, do we know about what's next for Sonic the Hedgehog at this point? Um, like, there's the Sonic Team Racing, with the new one, whatever that's called, that's coming out. And there's, like, Sonic and Mario at the Olympic Games. Yeah. But no, I don't think we have a mainline Mario game, but from all of the... Sonic um, game. Yes, yeah. mainline Sonic game. But we also don't have a mainline Mario <laughs> game. But that's n- neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> that falls squarely under the category of first-party Nintendo <laughs> game. Um, but from everything that like Team Sonic has said mm-hmm. uh, in discussions around Sonic Mania, they are just not interested in doing in, like pursuing that avenue. Yeah. Well, and. Uh, you know, we talked about this, I think, a lot when Sonic Mania came out, that it just sort of, like, lights your brain on fire for, like, what if they did this with other other franchises, right? Like, we, what if uh, they were like, okay, we're going to sample the entire Mario canon uh, through the, the, the filter of Super Mario Brothers 3 and then put that out? It would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, ditto Castlevania, Mega Man, you know, wh- whatever. Um, it what uh sonic mania it makes me wish that there was a just series of mania games it'd be so good yeah absolutely also if you would like to borrow my copy of sonic forces 
you can email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. It really should have made our um, honorable mention list it purely for that reason. It will not. <laughs> Next on my list is Mega Man 11. Uh, I have talked about this one uh, a bunch. Um, I'm a big fan of the uh, Inti Creates, uh, you know, very late period, um, 8-bit, um, I mean, not even like of the 8-bit period, but of like the Wii era, uh, Mega Man's 9 and 10. Um, and then they went quiet for a long time. And I thought, I will never play a new Mega Man game again. Uh, and then 11 came out, and it's phenomenal. Um, and while it looks a little bit more like uh, Mega Man X, it doesn't play like it. It plays like an old school Mega Man game. And even with some of the uh, like kind of difficulty spikes that make it feel like a less, less convenient than uh, a modern game should be, it feels so classically Mega Man to me that like I can't help but love it. And it also makes me super excited for whatever they do next. Uh, Mega Man 12, uh, if they keep the same assets around, uh, is, is going to be great. Um, and I, I know that there are a ton of Mega Man collections uh, available on Switch. This is Legacy Collection 1, Legacy Collection 2, Mega Man X, Legacy Collection 1, and Mega Man... <laughs> um, but just the sheer newness of 11 uh puts it in like a a a brand new like kind of place for me yeah i i I think it's aesthetically beautiful i really like the design yeah and they yeah they really nail that like cartooniness um and well the music isn't what you would again this is not uh like 8-bit mega man this is not 16-bit mega man x it is something different uh, so while the music does isn't immediately evocative of what you liked about old Mega Man games, it is still cool, and there are a lot of bangers on that soundtrack. So yeah, that's part of what makes Mega Man Eleven uh, go on my list here. Next up on my list is Celeste. There you go, another multi-platform game, and another game that I know I should but have not played. It's really good. Um, it's a platformer where you have basically you're trying to make your way up a mountain. There's a story that uh, listeners of the show know that I hate video game stories. Basically, hates them. I'll tell you what, Mark loves uh, more than he hates stories is uh, pushing the button to skip the <laughs> that's, cinematics. That's right. But I r- really enjoy the story of Celeste. It's used really well. It's organic to the game, um, and it's notoriously difficult. But I played most of it without using the assist mode. Uh-huh. And it was very rewarding in that difficulty. Um, there was just one jump at like the last, like I don't know, fourth. The right. final fourth of the, of the last level oh, of the geez. game. I just could not make one jump. So but that's, was, that's great that it does give you the tools to, to give yourself just that extra little boost to mm-hmm. get past something. Yeah, um, but really incredible. And again, I think the benefit of playing it on Switch versus any other platform is just being able the portability. Yeah, uh, especially as you're just failing over and over again. Exactly. Take it into bed with you and cry. <laughs> uh, next on my list, big Square Enix game. I'm talking Octopath Traveler, uh, a game that I did not finish and probably never will. Uh, and I keep telling myself that I need to go back to but I probably won't. Um, but for the 20-ish hours or so that I spent with this game, uh, I just the combat system in Octopath Traveler is 
like immaculate. It's like a it, almost a a perfect turn based um, RPG. Not super complicated, but like you have to pay attention to everything every every move. You have to pay attention to every move you're making. Um, and uh, you know, it was so much had we talked so much about like the visual style of this game, which is totally unique. Uh, but by the time it came out, I feel like we were, all of us were like, yeah, yeah, it looks great. Um, but like it's stands to be repeated and re-emphasized just how pretty that game is um and how nothing looks like it um and uh you know just the 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 idea that you can a- approach the game sort of in you know whatever order to pick any of the eight heroes and then slowly like bring them all together um you know it, it's got a, a couple hiccups just like in in pacing here and there but like what it uh, accomplishes is so remarkable and this is an, maybe even another one like Mega Man 11 that uh I like this game but I'm almost more excited to see what happens next uh in the franchise or with these same ideas uh in in the future speaking of like just completely remarkable next on my list is Doom yeah for the Nintendo Switch um this is a game that should not be possible on Switch no should not but is it, it's a a port by Panic Button, and it was kind of the first port that made everybody sit up and be like, oh, this, uh, the Switch can be pretty amazing yeah. when used correctly. I have not played a Doom game for I don't even know how many years. You know, it's not like a franchise that I feel deeply in my heart. Sure. But um, it's just a lot of fun. It's And the fact, again, like the big selling point is the fact that I could play Doom in bed away from the TV and have it feel like a good port. There were like some technical hiccups. There were some slowdown where there were a lot of characters on screen, but nothing at any point that like made it unplayable or took away from the experience. Cause one, like uh, doom is just a r- incredibly fun game. Like it's yeah. an incredibly well-made, well-paced first person shooter. Snappy. Yeah. Snappy. Yeah. The mechanics are a lot of fun. The weapons are a lot of fun. The enemies are fun to fight against. They're not just like bullet sponges. Yeah. Um. There's. Ju- it requires just enough like tac- tactics and like planning to make it not just feel like you're running through corridors, just like shooting at anything that jumps out at you. Yeah. Um. And yeah, just to be able to play that on the Switch on a a game that feels so not Nintendo like. Yeah. But so at home in like that portable format was really amazing. I. Uh. I the sequel is coming to Switch as well, right? Doom Eternal? I think right? Or no, wait. Whatever it's called. Whatever I think it's it is. Called, yes. And I'm I'm very excited for it. Um that's very cool. Uh I am going to go out on a limb and say that I I think I know what your, your what your last space is. I'm not going to say what it is, but I think it is worth pointing out that so far neither of us have mentioned SteamWorld Dig 2 which is a game that we both really liked and had a, a ton of fun with. Haven't mentioned, uh, haven't mentioned Diablo 3, um, which is a, another game that uh, we spent a lot of time with together, and I know that you played a bunch. Um, and then there are also just like other games that you and I didn't get around to that are great by reputation, like Dead Cells or Hollow Knight. Um, like it, it sort of blows my mind how many really amazing games there are on this platform. Uh, and I think it's just worth pointing out 
that even with our exhaustive lists that were supposed to be five games long each uh, and that we ballooned to like three times that, there are still other games we uh, didn't get a chance to talk about. So my uh, my last uh, favorite game on Switch uh, maybe has been a little bit supplanted of late by a Nintendo game, uh, but I got to give it up for Puyo Puyo Tetris. Um, it is a perfectly serviceable Tetris game uh, and a wonderful Puyo game, and the insane mixture of the two uh, is just... I don't know. It's it's like mind blowing to me. Um, I was not a big Puyo guy before. Like I had played a little bit of Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, which is the same game um, back in the day, but I never really understood it. Uh, but the fact that these two games were like tied together and that I don't know, just like it forced me to learn Puyo. Also tied together in the craziest package, where yeah. like the story is like there's, there's a aliens. story. Yep, that's right. <laughs> And there are Tetris people and there are Puyo people and like the Tetris people are from outer space or something. And the Puyo people, I mean, it's all, it's all crazy. You can play as like a giant fish. There are robots. Uh, it's, the, it's nonsense, of course. And like, you know, you should do what Mark does and just like jam the A button until all the story is gone. Um, but, you know, there are a bunch of different characters that you can like select to play as in the battle modes. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, some, some of the most fun I've had doing competitive play on the switch is with, uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris. My number one pick is a perfect game. Stardew Valley. There you go. This is like a desert Island game for me. Yeah. Um, the gameplay loop of Stardew Valley is perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the amount of content in the game is absolutely insane. Plus, there's a multiplayer aspect that I haven't even touched yet. Oh, my gosh. But, like, the idea of, like, sharing a farm with somebody sounds incredibly fun. That's beautiful, really. But it's, yeah, like, I, I think it's maybe my second most played game on Switch after Breath of the Wild. Because it's such an easy game to go back to and just occasionally hop into, play a few in-game days. You know, depending on the season, you're doing different things. You're tasked with different aspects of just like running a farm but outside of that there's all these like side quests that you can do um and it's another one where i at some point want to restart my farm in like a different uh like like environment like you can change the landscape so the one i built now is like there's lots of lakes and you can change when you start like what the landscape of the town looks like but also, like, I made a very specific choice in who I was going to romance and how I interacted with people. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, like, different areas that open up that I haven't really explored. Sure. That's after putting, like, so many hours into this game. Yeah, that you're in- still interested in, like, resetting the world and, like, doing it all again. Yeah, but, and, like, I haven't reset it yet because I'm, because I'm like, well, me and my in-game husband, uh, I'm pretty sure we're supposed to be having a baby like show up at our house pretty soon so i can't reset it yet because i'm only in like year two yeah you got to get that baby mark (laughs) and i and i haven't i haven't like completed the town i can't remember what they call like the clubhouse or whatever like there's still a few like things missing and i know that i need to talk to the magician friend a bit like i haven't gotten into the sewers like there's so much going on 
it it really is this is another game that was developed entirely by one person yeah and it it's um perfect it really is everything that i loved about a game like animal crossing or um harvest moon yep in just like a really thoughtful well-made package yeah so there's like 20 third-party games that you should go play right now into the breach there's another one great game (laughs) All of this, all of this is so, this is all so good. Mark, I can't believe we came up with this many good third-party games. Things been out for two years. All right, let's close out this segment here. Of course, we would be interested in hearing about your experiences with great third-party games on Switch. You should write into us with those at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. Because I'm sure... Uh, that even with all those extra shoutouts, there were other games that we missed that were great. So let us know what those are. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're trying to get up to 100. Um, so uh, help us do that. If you like this episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share things. Uh, we appreciate it. On Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. And we also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. Fire.